Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast from Vital Point Church. My name is Ron. I'm the pastor here at Vital Point. We believe that it's important for people to explore and grow in their faith. And my hope, my prayer is that this message that you're listening to will draw you closer to better understanding how you can live out your faith journey in the everyday life. Sit back and enjoy. Hey, welcome to Vital Point Church. My name is Ron, and I'm the pastor here. And I want to begin this message with a confession. Are you ready for this? 2023 confession. They say confession is good for the soul, so here we go. Back in December, late 2022, I joined a CrossFit gym. Now, before you think that I have gone and drank the CrossFit juice, you need to understand all I did was sign up for the gym, and yes, I did buy the hoodie. Now, one of the things that I found very interesting about my experience with the CrossFit gym is this. Before I was permitted to take any of the classes, I had to go through what was called foundational classes. So I had to do a one-on-one with the owner and also with a trainer. And I found that so fascinating because they wanted to make sure that I understood what this place was all about. What does it mean to be in the gym, lifting weights, doing the reps, doing the routines? What would it look like? But as we were going through the foundations, something occurred to me as to how they were talking. What they were doing was they were giving me the values of that particular place. There's two things that stuck out to my mind as it relates to the values of the CrossFit gym that I'm part of. First one is this. The owner, Sherry, said very clearly to me, Ron, you need to check your ego at the door. And she followed it up with this. If you don't check your ego at the door, you're going to get hurt. And it's so true. Now that I'm in classes, I'm standing beside guys that are lifting all these weights and I'm looking at their, their weights and I'm looking at mine. I'm like, oh my goodness, like this is crazy. And then I remember, check your ego at the door. And then I notice the women in the class lifting more weights than me. And I go, Ron, check your ego at the door. But then there's another value that is so clear. It's the value of cheering and encouraging one another. I got to tell you, it is the coolest thing. I've been in classes where guys going for a PR and, and people are like cheering for them, clapping. You got this. You got this. And when it's done, people cheer. And it, it, interesting, at the gym, the PR, if someone does, gets a PR, they have a bell that sits on the floor in the middle of the gym and you go over and you hit the bell. And I thought to myself, we need a bell at church. Like, can you imagine, like, you show up at church, you go, ding, I read my Bible this week, or ding, I prayed before a meal this week, or ding, this is my fourth Sunday in a row of watching or being at church, like, ding. Now, obviously, we're not going to do the bell thing, but I find it so fascinating that even in a CrossFit gym, they have values. Here's the thing that I want you to think about. Values communicated and executed contribute to the vibrancy of the organization, business, and yes, even at church. Put it all together, you realize that values contribute to the cultural smell. Like when you think about it, when you show up somewhere, you recognize things about this place, the smell, the vibe, the feel, and you think this is somewhere I want to be or it's somewhere you don't want to be is because it has a particular smell. It is so true. Values contribute to the smell of the organization, the business, or even the church. 
Today, I want to talk about bold values and how they contribute and how one particular value contributes to the important smell of Vital Point Church. But before I jump into that, I want to do a quick rewind in the last couple of weeks because we've been in this series called Boldly Dependent. And it's actually the theme of our year is boldly dependent upon God. So we talked about this in week one of our series, January 1st. We talked about this idea of David from the Old Testament drew up strength from the Lord as God. And we talked about this idea of God leading us into a future that was going to stretch us, that's going to cause us to, for, to, to sacrifice. It's going to take us to this place where we boldly depend upon him. Get out of what we really see our lives depending upon and putting it on God. Then last week we talked about this bold vision. We talked about this idea of how God is continuing to move us forward as a church into a vision of starting three more locations on top of the three locations we already have, giving us six by 2027. And as I talked about that, I, I, I drew this out of Jesus' life and how the focus on small towns and how Jesus went from town to town proclaiming the kingdom of heaven, preaching the gospel of, G, of himself, and, and even casting out demons from those who are demonized. We talked about this vision and how critical it was to our church. But it also leads us to bold values. And this is the conversation that I want to have today with us. And it's going to be a conversation for some of us. You're going to be going like, oh, that's what it is. I couldn't articulate it. But once this conversation is done, I believe that you'll be able to. Others of you, it will be a reminder. For some of you, it'll be like brand new. So let's jump in. Here's the big, bold value that is important for us as a church. Vital point values, creating room for people at all stages of understanding life and faith. Let me say it again. Vital point values, creating room for people at all stages of understanding life and faith. What does this mean? We do not have an expectation that we are all at the same stage of what it means to follow Jesus. It means that we as a church will have people that are all different stages of understanding God. Like you might be in this experience right now and you're, you're like, you don't even know there is a God. You've questioned, you've wondered. You might be beside someone or, or watching with someone that has believed in God their entire lives. You might be someone, we might see someone who's angry at God and someone who's resting in the peace and the presence of God. You have some who may have recurring patterns of sinful behavior that they're trusting God to overcome where others have maybe been a little bit farther down the path. We're gonna have such complex understanding of what it means to give room for one another. See, giving room for people at all stages of faith and truth means that we value human beings at the same time holding to convictions about truth. Now, that's a hard dance, I understand. Like, it's a complex world to be the church these days, and I recognize how difficult that is because the world is actually trying to define what inclusion looks like and giving room for people and so on and so forth. I mean, we've all heard it, right? It, well, if you don't embrace my truth, then you must hate, or it, it creates a lot of division. 
See, I'm convinced that there are some of us that would really love to have a church that is neat and tidy and everybody thinks the same, believes the same, looks the same, and that's probably more like a cult than anything. But we recognize that in the 21st century church, it will be messy, especially if we're passionately outward focused. See, the value that drives us as a church is that we love to give room for people in their journey of understanding life and faith in Jesus. Now, you might ask yourself, okay, Ron, good value, kind of like it, got questions about it. Where does it come from? Like, where in the world does this kind of value come from? Well, it comes from the life of Jesus. Jesus demonstrated this truth as he interacted with the crowds of people and even when he extended invitation to those who are marginalized and broken. I want to take you to a story in the New Testament from a book called Matthew. In Matthew chapter 9, we see evidence of this giving room for people. I want to take you to it. Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. I want to read it for us and unpack it. Ready for this? As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and he followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to, his, to, said to the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, this is Jesus, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but to call sinners. Now, what you need to know about this particular section of the Bible is that oftentimes people refer to this as the Matthew party. Now, in order for us to understand the complexity of giving room and the value that is so important for us as a church, is that we need to understand Matthew a little bit better. See, Matthew is a tax collector. Matthew, the tax collector. Now, it's not his last name. It's his actual profession. It's what he was. Tax collectors were among the most hated people in Jewish culture. They were traitors of their own nation because they sold themselves to the Romans. Each tax collector would have purchased from Rome the right to gather taxes, and the more they gathered, the more they lined the, their own pockets and filled their bank accounts. They were considered as thieves and traitors because they were in constant contact with the Gentiles, and, and they were religiously sus suspect and even unclean. But here's the thing. Matthew didn't care about that. Matthew was more concerned about earthly wealth and getting ahead and feeding his own desires. He had sold out and betrayed his people. He had betrayed his family and brought shame on his family and friends. Jesus sees Matthew sitting in his tax collector booth, trying to get ahead in his own way. And he looks at him and says, follow me. The invite happened because Jesus saw something in Matthew that others didn't see. He placed value on someone who had chosen a lifestyle that contradicted the Jewish way and more importantly, the way of God. 
Matthew may have been in a tax collector booth, but Jesus didn't see the box that he was sitting in. He saw someone that was deeply loved by God. Jesus had this way about him. Jesus had this way of not allowing the cultural pressures and the religious elite to define who he would give room to. He would say, follow me to whoever he felt it was necessary to say, follow me. Matter of fact, you would see and you read the life of Jesus that he would get himself in trouble with the religious elite because they always found him doing things that were outside the bounds of what they thought was right and wrong. Matter of fact, at times, they would even say, how dare you do these things? Here's the thing I wanted to consider. (coughs) If a church is consumed with who is in and who is out by its own standards, then it's missing the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If it holds to truth with anger, it's missing the whole truth of who Jesus came to reach. When you think about it, Jesus was actually more harsh with the religious leaders than he was with the tax collectors and those who he spent the most time with. See, the church, and what I mean by this, the church is the set-apart ones, needs to be a place where it demonstrates what true love actually looks like, giving room for people in their journey to encounter Jesus and learn what it means to submit their lives under the authority of Jesus Christ in their lives. Like right now, I know this is so complex and so intricate that it's gonna make us feel a little bit icky, but here's the thing. There are narratives that are happening in people groups trying to define what inclusivity looks like, but all the while missing the mark on what true inclusivity looks like as it gives room for others moving towards and journeying towards what does it mean to live under the authority of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice and the obedience to the truth that he teaches. This is what I love about this church is that we're learning to give room for people at all different stages of the process and the journey of living in obedience to Jesus Christ and learning what does it mean to honor God with our lives, honoring God with our minds, our hearts, our relationships, our, our, our bank accounts, our resources, our sexuality, our bodies, every aspect of who we are. It is the journey in which we are, it's the, it's the space that we create for people in the journey of learning what does it mean to follow him. Think about the invitation Jesus gives to Matthew. Like this is just so, I mean, we should have a thing come on the screen here. But everybody, including Matthew, would have been shocked that Jesus gave room for Matthew because Matthew was hated by everybody. But Jesus gave room for him in his mess, in his brokenness. See, over the years, I've been discovering, I mean, I, in my own walk with Jesus and as I've guided and, and, and taught on these things over the years, I have found this, that when a person deepens their walk with Jesus, learns what, learns what it means to follow Jesus and awareness of who he is in our lives. You know what happens? Is that we give room for others to encounter him. See, an immature faith will live out of fear, creating boxes for ourselves and for others to keep people out or to keep people in. Those that would have excluded Matthew 
were worried about protecting themselves than they were more about having Matthew discover who Jesus was. See, the idea behind a maturing faith the more, is that we become more like Jesus. That the qualities and characteristics of who he is are formed in us. That We did a whole series called The Fruit of the Spirit, which is the formation of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit in us. We realize that there's a complexity and a beauty and a wonder that happens to us as we deepen our walk with Jesus. We give more room for others because we understand that every single person is in process of learning what does it mean to follow Jesus. Back to my gym. I gotta take you, if I'm gonna wear the, wear the hoodie, I gotta take you back to the gym. It has been a journey to learn what does it mean to be part of the CrossFit gym, to work out properly, to do things that so I don't get hurt, to learn terms and short, short forms of different things. What I love about it is it's not only the trainers and the, and the owner of the CrossFit gym that communicate these things. It's actually the members as well. The other day, I was working out beside a guy named Luke, and I, I, I didn't know where we were in the routine. I had to ask him, and he reminded me, and how many reps, and he reminded me, and I, I'm, I'm like, what are we doing now? And he told me. It's like, this guy gave room for the new guy, and it was so extremely helpful. When I think about the church, I can't help but think how beautiful it is when we begin to understand the space that we create for each other in our process of learning what does it mean to live in obedience to the truth of Jesus Christ and the truth of the scriptures that are taught for us. I think the Apostle Paul, one of the major writers of the New Testament, he understood this all too well. I wanna take you to a section of the Bible that it's called 1 Thessalonians. It's so fascinating. I want you to listen to the nuances. And as I read it for you, I want you to hear the space and the room that he gives for people in their journey. Listen to it says, finally then brothers, we ask brothers and sisters, by the way, just so we're clear, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus, so in the relationship with him, that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. So there's clear teaching. This is how you're to walk. This is how you're to please God, just as you're doing. So you're getting it. You're doing great. Way to go. That you do so, hear it, more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality. I mean, boom. In those three verses, it gives clarity to the process of more and more. I urge you, I exhort you, I beg of you, walk more in a way that pleases God. See, as a person grows and they're following Jesus, there's a deep desire to learn more from him, to know the truth, not what culture says or what my feelings tell me or what my desires are trying to make me do. No, it is learning to do more and more in pleasing God in the process of sanctification. It is a beautiful word that brings about the beauty and the awe and the wonder of the process of being shaped into the image of Jesus. It is the process that the Spirit uses in relationship with one another. Now, how does this work in our church? 
real quickly. I got to help you understand this because some of you will pick up on nuance, nuances of this when you are around long enough. Here's how it works. Giving room for people is that we love to, here we go. We love to paint a picture of what it means to follow Jesus, what truth looks like, what obedience looks like. And what we do is we love to paint that picture and encourage you to move towards that. And we're trusting that the spirit of God is moving you towards these particular things. See, we don't want to use shame, unhealthy guilt or anger or even fear because that's only manipulating you into the formation of Jesus. We want to paint a picture that you can go, oh, now I get it. Now I see it. Now I know why this place means so much to me is because I'm grasping what it means to follow Jesus. Now, I know that for some of us, this is a real struggle right? Because we live in a time, like, we, let's all just call it out. We live in a time where like, what? Like, I, I'm an individual. I, I, I can do what I want. I can do how I, I want to live. All these things, you know, if I, we buy into what culture and society says and so on. But here's the thing, that even as a church, we hold to convictions and ways in which God desires us to live, like you can't get away from it because the Bible teaches us these things. Let me give you Back to the gym. Sorry, got to take you back to the gym. I don't know why I keep doing this to you guys. Anyway, whatever. Okay, back to the gym. Last week, we were doing deadlifts, okay? Deadlifts is the bar in front of you. You kind of pick it up. So you don't do this. You kind of pick it up and then you drop it back down, okay? The owner, she gave us an illustration of a new technique that someone's trying to do with deadlifts, like this whole kind of stand-up thing. And she, and she literally said this. She said... Um, if I catch any of you doing this new technique, it'll be your last rep of the day. I thought this lady was nice. I couldn't believe what was happening. I was like, what? where'd she come from? But here's the thing. I can't show up at the CrossFit gym and go, guys, you know, I'm going to do my own thing here. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I know how to lift this, you know, 50-pound weight. Okay, a little bit more than that, but you know what I'm talking about, right? I can't just go in and go, I don't like the routine here that's on the whiteboard. I'm just going to do my own thing. Thank you very much. No, I have to enter into that environment and do the, the things that they do as CrossFitters, okay? And I don't call myself a CrossFitter yet, but you know what I'm talking about. So it's so fascinating. It's what we see and how we move in a space where we create room for one another. Jesus says to Matthew, come follow me. And Matthew, in that moment, recognizes that Jesus is giving him room to learn what does it mean to follow him. But he also knew that he was going to have to give up everything that he knew his life was about. The moment he stepped out of that tax collector booth was the moment everything changed. He was going to walk away from the wealth. He was going to walk away from the nice living that he had. He was going to walk away even from his tax collector friends, the ones that actually received him and loved him in that small community of tax collectors. He was going to go and follow Jesus. But here's what's so interesting. This just, this just blows my mind. Jesus gives room for Matthew. And then right on the heels of it, did you catch what I, what I read for you a moment ago from Matthew chapter 9? Verse 10, look what it says. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his what? Disciples. <sighs> Matthew 
did something most natural to himself and to human beings is this. He wanted to share Jesus with others. He couldn't wait for his tax collector friends to come and meet Jesus. He gave room for others in order for them to encounter Jesus. He had a party. He had everybody over. They're reclining with Jesus and they're enjoying food and drink and their disciples are there. And it's just an epic moment. And the religious people are like freaking out. Like, how can this be possible? But Matthew did what was natural to him. See, when I think about it, think about you. Have you ever noticed this? Like, we love to share things that impact us and we love to share things that excite us. So for example, I've watched Top Gun Maverick three times, twice in the theater and once at home. I tell everybody about it. Uh, I am now telling everybody about CrossFit. I, I'm just doing it. I just, I'm not, I'm saying you go do it. Like you got to decide that on your own, but I, it's because we do this naturally. Have you ever seen someone's Instagram, like hashtag best meal ever? And they're sitting at a restaurant and they're going, Oh, look at me. Click, click, click. I mean, cause they want people to know the food that they're having. We do this naturally. Matthew wanted his tax collector friends to meet Jesus over a meal because Jesus was beginning to change his life. Something changed in him, something sparked in him, and he wanted the tax collectors to see Jesus. I've been trying to balance out the message today. See, I don't want to paint a picture of a fluffy church that doesn't give room to challenge people with truth and challenge people with obedience and all that kind of stuff. And we do. I know churches that... You know, oh, you give room for people. Oh, say you must water down truth or oh, you must be just fluffy. And, you you know, no, matter of fact, I'm convinced that more and more people are actually searching for actual foundational truth to build their lives on because people aren't sure what truth is in anymore. But I'm also trying to create an urgency with this value. The value of giving room for people in their journey of life and faith and understanding. An urgency because I am convinced that more and more people need to see Jesus. More and more people need to understand who he is. Matter of fact, the apostle Paul, who wrote the first Thessalonians, wrote 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He's saying, I beg you, I ask you, I plead with you, be ambassadors of Jesus Christ. God makes his appeal through us, his church, his body in this world. How powerful is that? The urgency of this message. See, we're all Matthew at one point. See, I think sometimes when we get going along in our faith journeys, we forget that we were Matthew. That at one point, Jesus looked at us dead in our sins, enemies with God. Look at Romans chapter five, verse 10. We were enemies with God. And he looked at us and said, hey, follow me. And somewhere along the line, we lost the urgency of giving room for others to see Jesus in us. Here's my challenge as I close. I got to wrap this up for us. And here's my challenge. So bold value and 2023 challenge. I'm going to call it the two plus one. Are you ready? Here's what I want you to do. Every day, you can set your alarm, set your phone, whatever you need to do for a specific time every day. Uh, Let's choose 12 p.m. And we're going to just, everybody's going to set their alarms for 12 p.m., put on silence because you might be at work. Two plus one. You're going to pray for two people in your life that have not yet encountered Jesus. And then you're going to pray for one surprise. And what's going to happen is this, is that as you go into your day and you set your alarm 12 p.m., everybody's going to be praying at the same time. And what's going to happen is God is going to open doors for you. 
See, sometimes we think, ah, I, I got to be an ambassador for God. Uh, you know, not me, can't do it. But here's the thing. When you pray, doors begin to open. Two plus one. Pray for two people in your life that have not yet encountered Jesus and the one surprise. Here's what I am convinced of. We need to be more and more broken for the things that breaks God's heart. Jesus was broken for Matthew. He saw the lostness in his soul, the brokenness and the mess that he had made of his life and the things that had, had, had trapped him and put him in bondage. And Jesus says to him, hey, come follow me because I'm gonna give room for you in your journey, in your process of learning what it means to follow me. I wonder if today in the urgency, we maybe just need to pray and ask God that we will be broken for the things that breaks Jesus' heart. May we be broken. May we have a passion and a desire to see others in other towns, other places, and in our workplaces, wherever we are, encounter Jesus. Two plus one.